We are the body. And we are individually members of one another. It was one of those situations where a terrible situation could have become a tragic situation in just a matter of seconds. See, the fire, fire trucks arrived about 3 a.m. on the morning of January 15th at Bianca's house. And by then, the situation was described as a home heavily involved in fire. Just a few minutes earlier, Bianca had been in her room about 2 o'clock in the morning, maybe a little after, and and she smelled smoke. And at first she thought it was some burnt popcorn that her sister, uh, she knew her sister and her her husband, her sister's husband, were up watching a a, a movie in in their bedroom, and so she just figured that it was burning popcorn from the, the microwave. But in the matter of just a few moments, that smell of burnt popcorn became a smell of burning plastic. And it became more intense, more strong. And so Bianca went to the hallway, and as she opened the door, the hallway was filled with smoke. And as she entered into the hallway, she could hardly see down the hallway. And the smoke was so intense that she began to cough. And so she made her way in towards the, the middle part of the house, into the living room. And there, she noticed that the front door was engulfed in flames and she noticed that the fire had originated in the kitchen area. Bianca was an older teenager and she understood that their house had a supply of natural of gas that that helped provide heat and hot water and so she became quickly afraid of of the possibility of an explosion in her house but she didn't know if the rest of the family had gotten out of the house or not and so she began to yell fire 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 and sure enough it got the attention of the rest of the family and she was able to guide them out not through the front door which was in flames but out the back door as the fire engines arrived. Now she's, do we have some pictures? Did they come through? Here's a picture of the house after the fire had burned. And here's a picture of part of the family inside the house. As you can see, it was a total loss. You see, there were seven family members that were also in the house at that time when the fire started. There were three dogs at that time in the house. Again, her sister and her husband and their 16-month-old son were in one of the bedrooms watching a movie when they heard her yell, fire, fire, and they were shocked as they opened their bedroom door and saw the house filled with smoke. Her sister said, we could not smell anything, and the fire was just on the other side of the wall where our bed was. Nor could any of the other family members who had all tested positive for COVID smell the smoke in the house. You see, COVID had robbed each of them of their sense of smell. It was a loss that had Bianca not been home, who had not tested positive for COVID, it was a loss that could have turned tragic and could have ended in the deaths 
of many of her family members. Indeed, Bianca saved the lives of her family. And yet, as I consider our church, as I consider this idea of the body of Christ, I wonder, I wonder if we as the church at First Baptist, I wonder if we as the church of Jesus Christ in the largest sense we can imagine, I wonder if we are smelling, seeing, hearing, touching, and tasting all that God would have for us. See, over the last weeks, we've been studying Romans chapter 12, asking ourselves the question that we're reminded of each Sunday, what does it mean to be devoted to Jesus Christ? The first two verses, I think, have have focused on our own personal commitment, our own personal responsibility in that pursuit of devotion. But today, as we continue to read in Romans chapter 12, we are going to discover that our devotion to God also has a community aspect to it. In fact, I would argue that we and that you cannot be devoted to God if you are not devoted to His church, that is, if we're not devoted to each other. Turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at the uh, focus on verses 3 through 8, but let's just begin with the first two and, and reflect over what we've learned the last couple of weeks. Therefore, Paul writes, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Again, as we seek to pursue Christ, as we seek to grow in our devotion to Christ, it has a personal impact on our lives. It means that individually we are called to dedicate our bodies, to offer our bodies as living and holy sacrifices, as an act of worship before God. In all that we do with these bodies, it also means that we are to be about the the process of renewing our minds That as we renew our minds in God's Word, that that's a part of His work of transformation in our lives. And we focused on this word in verse 1, that our motivation for that is the mercies of God. The mercies of God being that which God has, has withheld from us, that which we deserve the punishment of our own sins. God has withheld that from us. He's placed that upon His Son on the cross. And so by the mercies of God, because we've been spared the punishment and the ultimate sin of death because of our sin, we're to dedicate and devote our bodies and our minds to Christ Jesus in all things. But now, verse 3, for through the grace, now we switch from Mercy to grace. Well, what, what is grace? Well, grace, grace is what God gives to us. It's, it's His gifts that we don't deserve. So not only did God spare us by His mercy, God has graced us through His love and His generosity 
and given us the gift of salvation, given us so much more. So Paul writes, For the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you that you are not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Since... We have gifts that differ according to the grace that's given to us. There's that word again, that grace. Each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his teaching or he who or in in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Paul begins with his own confession here in verse 3. For through the grace given to me. Well, what has Paul received? What what is the the grace that Paul has been given? Well, he would say, well, first and foremost, the grace of my salvation. Let us not forget that it was Paul that was out persecuting the church. It was Paul who was out killing the Christians. And yet through God's Mercy, And now through His grace, Paul has experienced and received this incredible gift of salvation. But Paul is also offering the testimony of a more specific gift, a a spiritual gift, a, a grace gift that Paul is to offer to the church. For through the grace given to me, he's talking about his unique gift of being an apostle. The gift of apostleship. If, if you would, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Paul is, is writing to the church at Ephesus. And he says, And he and the Lord Jesus gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. These are gifts that he gives individuals within the life of the church. For what? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to build up the body of Christ. And Paul has this gift of being called as an apostle. Now, now one of the, the things I want to ask us to, to consider and to, to pray about and to, to, I don't want to say struggle, but to challenge ourselves with is to identify what your spiritual gift is, what is the grace gift that God has given to you in regards to the body of Christ and how you're to be serving. Uh, I drew our attention to Ephesians chapter 4 because I believe that my my spiritual gift my grace gift is his pastor teacher and that as i gave my life to christ and i received his gift of salvation that god then blessed me with a unique and special gift unique to to me although others would share that gift as well to serve his church as a pastor teacher now there are pastors and teachers that are are called to serve as ministers like i do but there are also pastors teachers that serve and live within the body of Christ here at First Baptist. So back to Romans 12. Paul is saying, through the grace that was given to me as an apostle, and having the gift of apostleship means that Paul had an authority to speak into the life of the church. And so he said, this was a grace gift given to me. 
I say to everyone not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. I think Paul struggled maybe with a little humility at times, right? In Philippians chapter 2, before he was a, a, a believer, Paul said, he bragged about who he was, right? Man, I was a, a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was born of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Before the law, I was blameless. See, Paul was known to, at least in his, before Christ, to, to brag about himself and about his accomplishments. But here he says, no, no, no. We're not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. Remember, what is it, what's the key to a grace gift? A, a grace gift is something we don't deserve. Paul is saying, I don't deserve to be an apostle, but this is what God has called me to be, and so therefore I'm acting in that way, but I do so humbly, not out of pride, but out of humility. Remember what Paul, his confession in one of his other letters was, I'm chief of sinners. I'm A1 number one sinner right here. And so Paul realizes through, through humility that God has given him this grace gift that he does not deserve, but that he is called to use within the life of the church. And then he goes on, again, that we're not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to, but thinks to, as to have a sound judgment, to understand, to know this giftedness that you have, as God has allotted to each of us a measure of faith. Now here's where we have to understand that we are all equal before God. And that if we want to be devoted to Christ, we are all called to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. And we are all called to the work of renewing our mind so that we might be transformed more fully into the likeness of Christ. But each one of us is given a different gift. Each one of us is given, a, in the way it's stated here, a different measure of faith, a, a different way that God has graced us, a different way that God, the Spirit of God, comes alongside of us to empower us and to gift us to, to serve and to live and to be a part of the body of Christ. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12. This is a, a sister passage to Romans 12. And in Romans 12, it's, it's very much more brief in its, its consideration of this. And 1 Corinthians 12 takes what we talk about today and expands it. And so I want you to be aware of this passage. And we're just going to briefly go through uh, about four verses, beginning in verse 7. And, and notice it says the same thing, it's just expanded. But to each one is given, in verse 7, the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Again, each one of us are gifted. The Spirit of God is, has allowed and brought to each of us a, a unique contribution to the body of Christ that we're a part of. Look at verse 12. Even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. We are many individuals, but we are one. We are the one body of Christ. We're the body of Christ at First Baptist Norman. And we are called to be that body, serving and nurturing each other, the body, but also then as the body of Christ in this place, being faithful to serve our neighbors, our community, and our world. Then look down at verse 18. 
But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He desired. Isn't that something else? As a member of the body of Christ here, guess what? God has, and God is putting you in a unique place. You, you serve a unique function in the life of our church. And we receive that gift humbly. Some of those gifts, like, like the gift of being an apostle, are out front so everyone can see. Some of those gifts, maybe a gift of service, or if your giftedness is in helping or serving, maybe gifts that nobody else knows about. But still, we're all called. We're all placed in the body, just as He desires. And then verse 27, Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And then he goes on here to, uh, to share what, what Paul would say are some more of those gifts of the Spirit of God. Again, I don't think that, that Paul in, in Romans 12 and in 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4 has listed all of the gifts, but he's given some of those spiritual gifts they're being manifested within the life of the church. I think what we must grow to understand is that ultimately, the gift is the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God manifests Himself uniquely through each one of us as we serve Him, as we commit ourselves to being part of the body of Christ. Back to Romans chapter 12, in verse 4, Paul describes us as the body of Christ. So let's start by looking at your body. Look at your body. Look how you are fearfully and wonderfully made. These fingers, this arm, this body that God has given you. My, I guess they're my great nieces. My niece had babies, had twins. And, and we're at that stage where what? What's this? What's this? This nose. Point to your ears. Point to your ears. They point to your ears. Oh, yay! Why? Because they need to know their body. And they need to discover what the function of their body is. Just like within us. We need to be able to identify what, what the parts of the body are. So that we can celebrate those gifts. So that we can see those gifts being used and maximized within the life of our church. Your body is made up of different parts, and each part has a different function. All those parts together make one body, just like in our church. We are a church of many different parts, but ultimately we are one body in Christ. Alistair Begg is, is, a, is a, a, a pastor, and he, wrote it, he said it this way. He said, The church's unity, diversity, harmony, and identity come together in this statement that he makes. He says that we cannot, referring to the church, we cannot be ourselves by ourselves. We cannot be devoted to Christ Jesus by ourselves. For you see, we are members of one another. We belong to each other. That's a powerful statement. We belong to each other as members of the body of Christ here at First Baptist. Again, as we've already read in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18, God has placed each member of this body just as He desires it. Now, church, we cannot all be eyes. We cannot all be ears. And we cannot be jealous of each other because God made me a foot and He made you a hand. 
we must remember that by the grace of God, we are each uniquely gifted and placed in the body of Christ. And the truth is, the truth is, is that we all need each other. Now Paul develops this a little more in 1 Corinthians 12 when he says, The eye cannot say to the hand that I don't need you any longer. How absurd would it be if the eyes in our body said to the rest of our body, we're out of here. <laughs> we're gone. You know what? The eyes wouldn't survive very long, would they? Because they need the body. And guess what? The body would be blind. The body would not be able to see. The entire body would be impacted. Yet this is the struggle of churches today. In our individualistic society where the individual is held above everything, members of our church, members of the body of Christ here, have severed themselves from the body, limiting the effectiveness of the church and leaving themselves disconnected from that which they need in order to be sustained and nurtured for life. Church, we must never forget that we are members of one another. When one member's not here, when one member's not doing what God has placed them in the body for, the body suffers. But then, this picture of what it means to share life together, Paul writes, when, when one member of the body suffers, then guess what? We all suffer with it. But we come alongside of that suffering part to nurture and sustain and to bring it back to health. And when one member of the body is honored, we are all honored and we all rejoice. We need each other. And we must help each other. When the eyes see, all of us benefit. When all the members of the body function, the eyes benefit. Church, we find our meaning and our connection to Christ in relationship to one another as the body of Christ. And we offer our gifts, our grace gifts that are given to us, not because we deserve them, but because by God's grace and favor, He has given them to us. We offer our gifts to one another because that's what it means to be part of the body of Christ. You have been given a gift by God, each of you. If you are a devoted follower of Christ, you've been given a gift that is to be used and functioning within the body of Christ. You're to develop that gift and you're to offer that gift accordingly. Your devotion to the church, to the body of Christ, is a reflection of your devotion to God. Now look at verses 6 through 8 again. Notice we begin in verse 3. Paul says, The grace given to me. Now he picks up on that idea in verse 6. The grace that's given to us. That's why I think Paul is reflecting back on his apostleship in verse 3 because he's going to describe some of the gifts that are given to all of us, to, to the body of Christ, given to us. And he begins to describe those. 
This word gifts here is the word charisma. It's a, it's a special gift. It's a grace gift. I, I love that word charisma. It's, it's not, we use that term, you know, someone who has charisma. Someone who has, is charismatic. It means there's something unique or special. I think of Dr. Ho. We'll, we'll talk about her, the way she plays piano. She doesn't just play, right? She doesn't just know the notes. There's a, a charisma there, right? There's, there's something beyond just knowing the notes that allows her to play in a gifted and beautiful way. Now, certainly she's had to, to develop and nurture that. But it's more than just notes on a page and on a keyboard. There's a charisma, charismata, that's a part of that. And so as we look at these gifts, we're all to serve, we're, we're all to give, we're all to teach. But for some of us, there's a special charisma, there's a, a special gifting, anointing of the Spirit of God that allows us to do that at a, at a greater level than others within the body. And each one of us has that special charisma that we're to offer in the life of the church. I, I, I like to read the Message Bible sometimes. It's not a, what I'd call a, a pure translation. It's more of a, a paraphrase. It's a, a modern-day paraphrase. It's by Eugene Peterson. And I love the way he, he translates verses 6 through 8, so I'm going to share those with you. He says, let's go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something that we aren't. That's another problem we have in the church is we have, we have eyes that are trying to be knees. Sometimes it's because the, the knees haven't shown up and the eyes say, well, I'll try to do that. And what we need is for the eyes to be able to focus on being the eyes and the knees to... Step up and be the knees. And that's what Eugene picks up on this. He says, don't try to be something that we aren't. So, if you preach, just preach God's message. Nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't try to take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to help or to aid people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. And if you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them, but rather keep a smile on your face. Now go back and compare the translation that we read earlier to the, the paraphrase, and you can see that, that Peterson's picking up on some of those nuances in chapter 12. For example, when Paul says, in service, if, if service is your key, then serve. If teaching is your gift, then teach. If exhortation, encouragement is your gift, then exhort. If, if you have the gift of giving, then don't give begrudgingly, give liberally. If you show mercy, don't do so, again, begrudgingly, but show mercy 
cheerfully. Now again, our purpose this morning is not to explore all the spiritual gifts. Our purpose today is to understand that each one of us, each one of us, is given a gift of grace, a spiritual gift, if you would, for the purpose of serving and building up the body of Christ. So in these last moments, I want to take us to consider your part in the body of Christ here at First Baptist Norman. So let's take a minute, look around you. Certainly we have members that aren't here today. We have members that are worshiping online and have been for the last nine, ten, ten months. But look around. This is the body of Christ here. And so my first question is, why are you here today? Well, is it all about you? I'm here for me today? No. You're here for the people you're sitting next to. We're here for each other. Why? Because we're the body. And each member has to be here in order for the body to to function and to do what God has called it to do. So we've got to move beyond this idea that it's all about me and the reason I come to worship is about me. No, the reason we come to worship certainly is about God, but it's about each other. It's about that horizontal connection that we have each other as we offer our worship vertically to God. We're here, certainly because of God, but we're also here so that we can support and care for each other for when we are working and contributing according to our giftedness, the body of Christ at First Baptist is healthy. And when we are healthy, we are able to fulfill our purpose of sharing and ministering the gospel in our community and our world. How many of you have been sick? How many of you have been really sick, right? Had the flu. I've shared this story many times. When I went to India, I got sick. I learned that Especially in a foreign country, you should never eat shrimp in the middle of the country. <laughs> hours and hours away from the coast. That even, didn't even dawn on me until I was paying the price of that. And I told Gay when I got home, if, if I didn't have you and the kids, I just soon got on to be with the Lord. I was sick. And guess what? I'd gone to India to serve and to minister to learn about the body of Christ there. But guess what? I couldn't do that for about two or three days because I was in bed just wanting to live. And that's what happens when the body of Christ, when parts are missing. <laughs> that's what happens when we're sick. When we're sick and we're not serving within the body as we should, guess what? We can't go out there. We can't go into our community. We can't go into our world and be as effective as God and as Christ would have us to be. We must be devoted to each other. We must be committed to serving as God has called us. That's why it's so vitally important for each of us to know how God's grace is given to us and manifested to us in our lives. So here's the question. Do you know how God has graced your life? Do you know what your spiritual gift is, if we use that language? How has the Spirit of God graced you and called you to serve His church? If you do not know, then my challenge for each of us is that you would devote yourself to the spiritual task of discovering and developing 
and using your gift. Well, how do I do that? Well, I think you begin, as Paul would say, humbly through prayer. You begin with some self-examination. How, how has God gifted me? What, where, where's, where is there some charisma? Where is there something that I really in, enjoy doing in connection with, with the church, in connection with God's call in my life? Where do I get that charge, that passion, as God has empowered me and gifted me to serve in that way? And then third, simply by talking with others. Seeking wise counsel and saying, how have you seen God use me? Where, where do you sense my calling or my giftedness is within the body of Christ? If you have yet to discover that, then I challenge you and encourage you to do so. And if you're aware of what your spiritual gift and your grace gifts, gift is, then my question for you is, are you using and developing that as a good steward and devoted disciple of Jesus Christ? See, Peter Wagner is a longtime church historian who passed away a few years ago. He said, The ignorance of spiritual gifts may be the chief cause for the lack of church growth. In other words, the body's confused because the body doesn't know how to put itself together, it doesn't know how to serve each other and serve its world. Each of us must take the responsibility to understand and to use our unique giftedness in the life of the church. So do you remember Bianca's story that we started with? Seven of her family members could have perished in that house fire because they lost their ability to smell. COVID took from their bodies their or the unique contribution of their noses. And yet... I can't help again but believe that this is a picture of so many of our churches today. Churches that are filling up with smoke and we are shut up in our bedrooms, unaware of the dangers around us. We need our nose, but our nose is nowhere to be found. Or maybe our nose is here. Maybe our nose is sitting right out here, but has just decided, you know, I'm just going to show up and go home. I'm not going to smell and let my nose benefit the body while I'm here at church. Church, we are members of each other. You are members of the person next to you. We are called to serve each other. The health and well-being of our church and of our community depends on each of us embracing and using the special gift that God has given us. This is what it means to be devoted to God. And this is what it means to be devoted to each other. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, As each one has, has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You see, this isn't just Paul's thing. Peter understands this as well that we've all been given a gift, that we're all called to use it as good stewards of His grace. Church, this last year, this last year has been extremely difficult. We've been isolated from each other and felt disconnected from each other in many, many ways. 
as vaccines enable more and more of our church folks to return, I am asking each of you, each of us, to spend these next days and weeks in prayer and preparation, saying, God, what is my giftedness? What is my unique grace gift, spiritual gift, that I'm to be employed in using in the life of our church? Will you recommit yourself to your life group and find out how are you serving in your life group? Will you promise, will you commit yourself to be present here in the life of the church in worship? Will you learn to offer your gift in service to the church so that we can better minister and reach out to our neighbors and our community? We all are called to be faithful. We're all called to minister unto each other. And we also want each of us, each of us to use our giftedness in a way that strengthens the body and allows us to better accomplish God's task in our midst. Would you pray with me? Father, again, we thank You. We thank You for this powerful message from the Apostle Paul who understood the unique grace that was given to him and how he was to use that to speak into our lives and the lives of the church. And Lord Jesus, I pray that each of us would humbly, humbly receive Your grace, Your, your charismata, your, your gift in our lives and that we would be faithful to employ it and use it in the life of the body. Father, today's a, a call to the members of the body, some who have disconnected themselves, to come and to reattach and to, to find their place within the larger body of Christ. For some, that may mean coming and saying, you know, it's, it's time for me to say, this is the church that, that I need to, to step out and say, I want to be a member here. I want to belong officially, formally to this church. I want, I want everyone to know that this is the body of Christ that I'm a part of, and that I'm serving and finding my place. Maybe God, again, is calling you to devote your life for the first time to Christ Jesus, to devote your life for the first time to His church and following after Him. As we sing, I pray that you'd be obedient and faithful to make that step of faith. Let's stand, let's sing, let's make our commitments to the Lord.